Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Welcome everyone today. We are so grateful that you're with us. I'm grateful, Janie, that you're with us because you've been gone for a while. <laughs> I have. It's good to be back. It's been a crazy past couple months. We've had two grandbabies born and then throw in Christmas and everything. And yeah, it has been a whirlwind. <laughs> I know. I can't believe it's. <clears throat> we're already looking at, at February here. So It's crazy. Well, uh, today, as we remind everyone that on this Preserving Families podcast, we are here to help strengthen and preserve families and One of the ways today that we want to focus on that is with talking about and discussing some of the basic principles from the For New Strength of Youth. We've heard a lot of of stuff about that lately, a lot of chatter lately. Yeah, I I feel like it's been a really confusing thing for some people. And I actually, one of my friends was telling me that her daughter was up here in Provo and called her Mm. mom a few weeks after general conference and said, Mom, what is the deal? So can we get tattoos now? And like, you know, there's no Mm -hmm. rules anymore because she was so confused what she was hearing from her friends. Right. And so I think we've, you know, we've talked a lot about this in our family and had some really good discussions with our kids and our adult children. And we decided it'd be really good to talk about this subject if anybody else was kind of feeling confused or not understanding the program. Right. So we'll we'll try to shed some, some light on it, right? So. Yeah. So today... We are going to talk about the new for strength of youth and some key principles from that. We're going to discuss what the strength of youth does and also what it doesn't do. Mm. We're going to talk about families and having their own principles that align with gospel principles and teachings. And we're going to then talk about why it's so important to be a light to the world and what the for strength of youth is actually teaching us. Oh, sounds like some great topics. So there is a book that we will recommend to everyone. It's so good. It's old now, but I'm sure you can still find it on Amazon or or somewhere. And it's Don't Leap with the Sheep. And By Michael Wilcox. Yeah. Yes, Michael Wilcox. One of our favorite, yeah. Yeah. I, just, I know that we've used it over the years for different you know, youth camps and girls camp and, and uh, teaching lessons. There's just so many great stories. He does a great job of taking the scriptures and then just having these modern stories and applications. And the very first story that he shares is one that we want to share with you all just to kind of lay a foundation. But he talks about one summer, uh, you know, he worked at a ranch in Wyoming with his family. And as they were looking for arrowheads with Michael Wilcox and some of his friends, they came across these lambs that were out in the desert. I think there were six and they had strayed from their flock and uh, they were wild and rough I think they were a year old, if I remember the story right. And he says that uh, he said that they wanted to catch these lambs and take them back to the ranch. And they had spread out over the desert in an attempt to to box them in. And uh, the lambs were not having any of that. And for over an hour, he said in his account that they ran around making grabs for these lambs as they broke through our tightening circle. And then he says after trying just a lot of different things, they came up with this idea. Uh, Brother Wilcox said there were many cliffs in the area, and so we thought we would just back the lambs up against the cliff and blocking their escape. We were closing in on them when the biggest one turned and ran for the edge of the cliff, and to our amazement, instead of stopping, he leaped over the edge and plunged to his death. 
We backed off when we saw this to give the remaining lambs some room, but to our shock, the other five raced toward the cliff one by one, all five of them, six total, jumped to their deaths. And Brother Wilcox says, I've heard of sheep doing some strange things, but uh, he said, had I not seen that, I wouldn't have believed it. And I, hence the title of the book, Don't Leap with the Sheep. You know, that's how he starts. And... Yeah. Brother Wilcox says, in spite of all of our talk about individualism and doing our own thing, mankind seems to have a built-in herd instinct. This can work for us or against us, depending on which way the herd is moving. Unfortunately, most of the herd in the modern world is jumping over a moral cliff. The power of peer pressure is a tremendous myth that has blinded old and young alike for centuries. It is particularly effective myth today. Part of its usefulness for Satan is found in its economy. If he can get the lead sheep to leap, the others often follow without thinking. Too many people never clearly reason out their positions on fashions, music, morality, politics, or even religion. And I think that's so prevalent today with social media. You know, they see one person do or one influencer or one celebrity do something and everybody jumps on the bandwagon. Well, it's also interesting that we've always known in the social sciences that, that peers have a huge impact on each other. But what the research is saying now is that it's stronger and more of a pull than it's ever been. Mm. You know, that parents are having less and less influence on their children and peers are having more. And it's because of of social media. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of interesting, you know, Janie, we were talking about uh, how people are perceiving the first strength of youth and almost feeling like it's it's letting off the gas a little bit and yeah. relaxing. Just because it doesn't say anything, right? Well, you think, woo, we're yeah, free. <laughs> that it took, you know, maybe some of the specific language was taken out. But if you go right to the back, you know, the appendix, there's the Ten Commandments, there's the Young Women's theme, there's the Aaronic Priesthood theme. In fact, I was looking at the second line of the Young Women's theme. It says, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I strive to become like him. I think that is the entire essence of the you know, for strength of youth is what? Becoming like Christ. Right. It's just a different way they're approaching it. It's a higher and holier way of approaching the first strength of youth than the whole list of do's and don'ts that we've had in the past years. Yeah. And this is a movement the church has, you know, leaned towards in the past few years, coming out with less prescriptive and more principle-based concepts. That's where, you know, Preach My Gospel comes from. That's where Come Follow Me comes from. Even the, even the way that missionaries do missionary work today is a lot less prescriptive. You know, in my day, we, had, we memorized every line, and that doesn't happen today, which we're grateful for, right? So, <laughs> Yeah. No, I just remember back in the 80s that my, in my generation, it was a complete list. And I think that was back in the miracle forgiveness era where you do not do this, you do this. And it was very, very prescriptive. Right, right. And so now we're principle-based, and... Uh, and it, and it gives us room to uh, live our lives by the Spirit, get, get rev- receive revelation. But, you know, you know, back to your story that you were sharing at the very beginning, because I have heard youth in our stake and even sometimes at BYU saying, okay, so now with the new for strength of youth, so we can, uh, what, we can, we can date earlier. We can get wear... Get tattoos. That's what I keep hearing. We can get tons of piercings. <laughs> oh, they don't care anymore. We can dress modestly because it doesn't say anything about that. So right. that's the kind of the murmur and chatter that I've been hearing. Yeah. And I've heard that too. And, and, you know, 
if you read the first strength of youth, I think you would know that it doesn't really say that, you know, (laughs) and it doesn't take long to read it. Everyone, Uh, if you haven't read it yet, you know, it could almost be read in 10 or 15 minutes. There's, it's not uh, a really thick manual anymore. and, And we would encourage you to read it just to know what's, what's in there. So I believe that those ideas of, okay, so we can vape now, or we can get tattoos or whatever is going the exact opposite direction of what the Lord is intending. You know, our leaders want us to become disciples and to become more like the Savior. And I think the question isn't to, what can I do now that that used to be in violation for the for the old strength of youth, but now it's okay. I think the question is, is how can we become more like the Savior and be more of his disciples? And how does the first strength of youth help us to do that, to get there? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the idea of, uh, you know, kind of building on President Nelson's uh, youth battalion of how can I show the Lord what team I'm on? Or how can I show the Lord that I am part of his youth battalion? You know, there was a lesson I learned as a missionary. Um, I had an awesome companion, and for whatever reason, he was addicted to fireworks. He was going home. He, this was his last couple weeks in the mission field. And he had gone, we had an Indian reservation in our zone, and he, I guess fireworks were especially cheap on that reservation. And so he bought a lot of these, you know, firecrackers and filled his suitcase up with them, and he was going to take them home. And one night we were riding home from an appointment, and he just started to throw these fireworks out the window. He rolled the window down, and he, you know, was lighting them with a cigarette lighter and throwing them out the window. And I was worried that he was going to hit somebody. I told him that he needed to stop. We'll call him Elder T. And Elder T wasn't having it. And so I just thought, well, I'm going to put a stop to this. And so I was trying to roll the window up, the electronic window, from my side as I rolled it up. At the exact same moment, he threw this this firecracker out the window. It hit the window, bounced back into the you know car. It bounced into his lap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, we had to kind of figure out, okay, now what do we do? And uh, he just thought, well, and he he finagled his way to just straddle this uh, firecracker, and it did blow up. It's a brand new car. We had the newest car in the mission, in the mission, and it did blow up, and it made a gaping hole in the seat. Oh goodness! Yeah, and so I told him, I said, okay, Elder T, you've got to tell the mission president what you did. I'm not going to get stuck with this because you're going home in a few days. And he did tell our mission president. We had a, a meeting a few days later. And I think he literally left the very next, was leaving the very next day. And uh, and we were walking out of the stake center, and I said, there's our mission president. you got to tell him what you did. And he started to tell the mission president what he had done. And our mission president wasn't happy, as he shouldn't have been. Uh, he wasn't happy, and he, he kind of scolded Elder T a little bit. And then Elder T thought he would be wise. Big mistake. He pulled the white handbook out of his pocket and said, President, I just looked through this whole handbook, and it just doesn't say anything about missionaries and firecrackers or fireworks, <laughs> which was a big mistake because our mission president, he was great at, at using the scriptures to teach us. And so our mission president, right there on the spot, just quoted Doctrine and Covenants 58, 26, and 27. For behold, it is not meet that I should command in all things. For he that is compelled in all things, the same as a slothful, and not a wise servant, wherefore he receiveth no reward. Verse 27, Verily I say, men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause and do many things of their own free will and bring to pass much much righteousness. 
And I do think that that's what we need to be engaged in. Instead of using the, for the strength of youth to find a loophole or to say, hey, this doesn't say what it used to say, and so therefore it must be okay then, I think we need to turn our thinking around a little bit and be anxiously engaged in good causes and trying to do what we can to follow the Savior. That was a great lesson, by the way, learned in the mission field. <laughs> you know, there's another quote that I've always loved by Charles Kingsley. There are two freedoms, he said, the false, where, where a man is free to do what he likes, and the true, where he is free to do what he ought. And there you have another, another concept, you know, where, you know, our agency really is to help us to choose right and to make wise choices, choices that will draw us closer to, to the Savior. You know, that reminds me of years ago, President Hinckley in general conference addressed this very principle. And he spoke to those who used for an excuse the fact that doing drugs is not mentioned in the word of wisdom. And President Hinckley uh -huh. said, some have even used as an alibi the fact that drugs are not mentioned in the word of wisdom. What a miserable excuse. What a miserable excuse. There is likewise no mention of the hazards of diving into an empty swimming pool <laughs> or of jumping over an overpass onto the freeway. But who doubts the deadly consequences of such? Common sense would dictate against such behavior. <laughs> so, yes, common sense is what we need, yeah, right? Yeah, the Lord expects us, right, to use our agency for good and not just, you know, be told and dictated every move we need to make. That's Satan's plan. That's not Heavenly Father's plan. There's no growth or progression in just being told every move to make. And right. I think he expects us to use our agency wisely. Yeah, completely. And that may help bring us into what the purpose of the strength of youth is. You know, once again, it's not rules and guidelines. It's the purpose is to draw us closer to the Savior, to help us to become more like him, to acquire his attributes, to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Here's President Udorf in that talk that he gave as he rolled out the for, for the strength of youth in our last general conference. He said, to be very clear, the best guide you can possibly have for making choices is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the strength of youth. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Once again, no more. It's not about rules and standards. He's the standard, right? It's also important to know what the first strength of youth does not do, he said. It doesn't make decisions for you. It doesn't give you a yes or no about every choice you might ever face. It is really built and grounded on that wonderful statement from Joseph Smith that I teach them correct principles and then they govern themselves. Yeah. Jesus Christ is the way to eternal joy, is what it says in the first strength of youth. He is the standard, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you use your freedom to choose to follow Jesus Christ, again, you choose, yeah. you are on the path that leads to eternal happiness. Make Jesus Christ your standard, your rock-solid foundation. Build your life on his teachings and measure your choices by them. The covenants you make at baptism, during the sacrament, and in the temple are the building blocks of your firm foundation in Christ. You'll still face tr face struggles and temptations, but Heavenly Father and the Savior will help you through them all. I love that because I think that that is the whole point of this, is that it's, again, not a, not a guide of do's and don'ts. It's actually, in every decision, fa focusing on the Savior. How What would Jesus do in this situation? What can I do in my life to become more like Him, to choose what He would do, to talk like He would talk, to dress like He would dress, to you know, do what he would do to serve like he would serve. And I think that's the whole principle behind this. I do too. I think that's great. In fact, what you just read is fr right from the New for Strength of Youth. Here's another one right from the New for Strength of Youth to 
making good choices improves your ability to feel the spirit. And so once again, it's not that we're trying to let off the gas here and do less. It's that, no, we want to follow the spirit and to learn to become like the savior. Another part of it in the first strength of youth, the new first strength of youth talks about covenants. They talk about the baptismal covenants we make, temple covenants we make, sacramental covenants we make. And I often think of, of this, but you know, when you if you just go back to the baptismal covenant that all well, the youth have made. Right. You know, yeah, if, if they're a member of the church and uh, they've made that covenant now to take upon themselves the name of Christ, what does that, you know, mean to them, you know? And to always remember him, you know, to look unto him in every thought, to doubt not, fear not. And then to keep his commandments, once again, I don't feel like this is letting off the gas at all. I think this is actually raising, raising the, the bar, bar quite a bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And we said, you know, this is the first strength of youth, but I've heard people say before, it's the first strength uh, for you. Like all of us need this, right? This isn't just for primary children or youth. This is for all of us. This is a way that we should all make decisions in our life, don't you think? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think it applies. I mean, I'm 60 years old. I think these, these teachings apply to me, right? Just as Absolutely. much as they would our, our our young teenagers or our young our oldest grandson who uh, who's 11 years old now. So here, here are some other things that, it, you know, the principles from the first strength of youth, just quick ones, but make time for the Lord every day. Learn of him. Remember him. Uh, pray to your heavenly father. Keep the commandments. Study the scriptures. Once again, not not dumbing anything down at all, you know. Um, this is a good this is a good guide right here from for the strength of youth on another key principle. Yeah, I like I like these principles. It says seek which that which uplifts, inspires, and invites the spirit. As you make choices about what to watch, read, <clears throat> listen to, or participate in, think how it makes you feel. Yeah. That's a good a good guide. Yeah. Does it invite good thoughts? Stay away from anything that mocks sacred things or that is immoral. Don't participate in anything that dulls your judgment or sensitivity to the spirit, such as violence, alcohol, and harmful drugs. Have the courage to turn off a video game, walk out of a movie or a dance, change your music, or turn away from anything that is not consistent with the spirit. And again, I love that. It's not a list of you can do, can't do rated R, but you can mm-hmm. do PG. I mean, that's just too gray in this kind, in our environment today. I love this, that they are actually raising the bar. They're putting the responsibility back on us to really judge and judge wisely. It, it, makes, it does make me think that for those who do feel like the standards have been lessened, or we've taken our foot off the gas. I feel like that maybe you should read it. Yeah, maybe you haven't read it quite I'm clearly. Not, <laughs> I'm not getting that from from what we're reading here today. You know, one of my favorite uh, presidents of the church was George Albert Smith. I just always cheer for underdogs, and he's just one of those prophets that is sandwiched between Heber J. Grant and David O. McKay. A lot of people don't know much about him, and so so I've really tried to study him in, in my life. And one of the things that he did at, right after being called to be an apostle— is he came up with a creed. He came up with his own mantra, you could say, his values, his beliefs that he would govern his life by. And I'm not, I don't need to read all of his 11 points, but most of them have to do with helping other people, right? I would be a friend to the friendless and find joy in ministering to the needs of the poor. I would visit the sick and the afflicted and inspire them in them a desire for faith to be healed. Uh, I would love the masses or live with the masses and help them solve their problems. Anyway, I would not knowingly wound the feelings of any human soul. I mean, just just some wonderful things there from George Albert Smith. But what it makes me think of 
is once again, going back to Doctrine and Covenants section 58, we don't need to be commanded in all things. And we don't, the church doesn't have to tell us everything that we need to do. We should be able to think through that a little bit and, and realize here are the standards that we want for our family. And when I say the church doesn't need to tell us everything to do, what I mean by that is it is uh, home-centered and church-supported. And this is a principle that's been taught for years. And if it's home-centered and then church-supported, let's come up with values and beliefs that certainly align with the gospel that, that the church can back us up on, but it's not the church's duty to prescribe all these things to us. Right. We as a family can sit right in family council and say, here's why. Here's why we have these standards. I remember raising our children. We we just didn't allow sleepovers. That was a thing that our family, we, you and I had decided early on that I, I know nothing good came from sleepovers <laughs> that I ever went to. Or me. You, know, right? you being a counselor, you've heard some crazy things that have happened to sleepovers. And we just, that was a... A thing that early on we decided, you know, our kids are going to sleep in their own bed. They can do laidovers or whatever. <laughs> and that was, and we, as a family, decided that. Our kids didn't love that policy, but we that was something that we held tight to. And and I feel like as, fam, as uh, parents, we never experienced more uh, peer pressure or grief for holding the line than we did when we were raising our kids. Way more than when I was a teenager. We received so much peer pressure and... Other parents saying, gosh, I can't believe you don't, you know, you won't let your kids sleep over. I can't believe you don't do this. What a, you know, you guys are, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, no, I remember one lady told us that we were the meanest parents that she knew because right. we wouldn't let our kids sleep at her house. But. And, but I just felt like, no, I need to know that my children are safe and in their own bed. You know, that was just a standard that we laid down. We also we also came to learn that they were completely worthless the next day. Yeah. That was also kind of a part of it, too. Yeah, they were grumpy. But mm. anyway... So there's just certain standards that you, if you feel strongly in your family that you need to hold and boundaries that you need to set and toe the line, that parents, that's your right and inspiration to do that. Totally. In fact, I, I believe, Janie, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if it was, if we were parents of our eight children now and, and they were teenagers uh, and this new For the Strength of Youth came out, I would just feel that in our in our own family, nothing would really change. You know, we would still... Uh, probably hold the line that you know they'd probably wait until they're 16 to date and they we, we would incur we would want them to dress modestly and and uh use the right language and 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 like you said we probably would have the sleepover rule and anyway the kind of movies that that we would want them to watch i mean i think i don't think really a lot would change i think probably what would change a little bit would be the way we approach teaching it to them. Right, because I love this way. I love yeah. this higher and holier way of teaching our children how to choose wisely yeah. and how to use the Holy Ghost to help them make decisions and in everything that they do throughout the rest of their life. I love this. Yeah. So if George Albert Smith came up with a creed or some rules to live by or principles to live by, that's a better word, what would be some principles and practices that you would want to live by in your own family? You know, if you were to write your own for the strength of youth for your family, and uh, as a family sitting around the table, kind of coming up with some of those things, what would you write about? What principles would help you to make decisions about dating and modesty and movies and music and friends and technology? You know, what are those standards? And that's a great thing for all of us uh, to think about. That reminds me recently, President Nelson said, I cannot overstate how vital you and your choices are as you look like act like and speak like a true follower of Jesus Christ, 
your positive influence on others will astound you. That's profound. Isn't yeah. It? As I read that, I was like, wow, like, what does that really mean that, that your positive influence on others will astound you? And I had to think back in our life of times where just being yourself, right? Being a light. Like we've been at Disneyland and it's like you can pick out other LDS families <laughs> or people, right? Just right. because they're light, like you can just tell. And one ex a special experience we had a few years ago, we were able to take our family to Costa Rica and we were doing an excursion one day and our guide on um, ATVs, like through the jungle. Yeah. And as we got to the top of this overlook hill <laughs> and it was just so beautiful and we were just taking pictures this man, our guide, came up to us and was just said, who are you guys? Like, what? And we were like, oh, we're, we're a family. And he's like, you're all a family? And he's like, I just get goosebumps. And he showed us his arm and he said, I've so never. remember that. And we weren't doing anything. We were just being happy, you know, loving, like, just having fun <laughs> as a family. But he's like, there's just something special about you guys. And, you he know. Said he, I remember he said, you're, you're so happy. And he goes, I don't. I give these tours every day and, and people aren't happy today. And, yeah. and once again, we want to make sure that people know that we are not projecting ourselves as this great, perfect, happy family. We were just having a normal day. In fact, one of our son-in-laws on that ATV ride wiped out in a ditch and, and hit a fence post. <laughs> so I still remember that too. But he was just such a nice man. And, and again, it just was a reminder that as you live your life and just try to live in the way that Jesus Christ does, you know, and be kind and charitable and happy and joyful. I think people notice that. Totally. You know, the Savior gave us that great instruction in Matthew, you know, that we are to be lights of the world, you know, that we are to be like a candle lit up and not hidden under a bushel, but put up on a candlestick so everyone can see. Once again, not in an arrogant or prideful way, but the Lord wants us to let our light shine, to be influences on others, you know, to, to bless the lives of other people. That glorifies our Heavenly Father is what it says in Matthew chapter 5. And, you know, that reminds me of what a group of young people can do to be a great influence. When I was in high school, I was not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I belonged to another church, but I was... Uh, had some wonderful friends who were members of, of the church, and they were great examples, great lights. They were so different than everyone else, but in a good way. Uh, they were kind, they were loving, they were happy. But I also became aware they didn't drink, they didn't smoke, they didn't uh, use foul language. They were just good people, and that light emanated from them. And as I went into their homes, I saw the same thing with their family members and uh, just recognize this is what I want. This is the kind of people I want to be with. These, this is the kind of family I want to have one day. And that light, that influence made all the difference. Had those young men been just like everyone else, else at our high school, had they been no different, you know, and been involved in some, some kind of questionable behavior, I would not have been influenced at all. And so there keeping of the commandments and, and uh, being disciples of Christ made all the difference. So I will be forever grateful for those outstanding young men that were such great examples. Their examples led to my baptism, led to me going on a mission, led to me being able to marry in the temple and have the family we have today. And talk about eternally grateful for uh, a group of young people that were incredible lights to the world. They were. So parents and, and youth, I hope that we are all very familiar with that talk from President Nelson. That's the hope of Israel, you know, mm -hmm. join the youth battalion talk. Right. Which is just incredible talk. 
because we all need to be teaching our youth and teaching each other out of that talk. But he gives five invitations. And the fifth one is just really important that goes along with what we're talking about today. He says, to stand out, be different from the world. You and I know that you are to be a light of the world. Therefore, the Lord needs you to look like, sound like, act like, and dress like a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Yes, you are living in the world, but you have very different standards from the world to help you avoid the stain of the world. And I just think that is so profound from a prophet of God. Well, I do too. And it goes back to the idea that if, if we're going to make a difference in the world, if our youth are going to make a difference, they have to be different. You can't, you can't be just like everyone else, right? The problem is that a lot of our youth don't want to be different. Mm -hmm. They want to dress and act and look like everyone else. I remember going to pick my daughter up from high school a few years ago, and I'd be out in the parking lot waiting for her. And every girl that walked out, I thought was her. I mean, literally <laughs> from a distance, they all they had the exact same hair, dressed the same, look, you know. Right. And so I think that's a great conversation to have in our families is why do we need to be different? How can we be different? And not that you need to be weird or, you know, cut your hair off and not mm. look like everyone else. But how can we as a family be different and, stand and still live in the world but not of the world? Yeah. I think that's a great a great discussion to have with our youth and our children. Well, that's kind of what President Nelson continues to say, you know, on that fifth principle that you were talking about, his fifth invitation. He said, set a standard for the rest of the world. Embrace being different. You know, there's that idea about being different. The booklet for the strength of youth should be your standard, he said. It is the standard that the Lord expects all of his youth to uphold. And then he says, I plead with you to study this booklet again. Prayerfully read it like you've never read it before and mark it up. Talk about it. Discuss the standards with your friends and decide how you can live these standards. And then I love how he calls them your standards with even more exactness. And so not only does he talk about the youth having a copy of For the Strength of Youth, but also sharing a copy with someone else. Kind of, you know, kind of back to that idea that as we share and explain you know, these gospel principles, they become part of us. But clearly, President Nelson, our prophet, wants our youth to stand out and be different. And so it's probably not enough just to read it. We really need to study it. Parents need to study it. We all need to become familiar with the teachings and to dig in and gain our own testimony that this document is a document from our living prophets. So, again, we always end with LDS, let's do something. And our invitation today is parents and youth to talk about the new for strength of youth, to have discussions about it, to really understand it, to, you know, focus on how you can implement that in your lives, because we are home-centered, church-supported. We don't need to wait for the church to, you know, implement everything. We don't need to wait for young women leaders or bishops or whatever, or seminary teachers to tell us what to do. We can figure that out in our own homes and set our own standards. If you're waiting for some young woman leader or some young men leader to set the standards for your child, you know, I think mm -hmm. we're really missing the mark. That may not happen, right? And so, yeah, so why not have some family home evening lessons centered on some of the topics in For the Strength of Youth? And don't be afraid to let your children teach these principles in the home. That's the greatest and safest place to do that. And it'll, it'll help them have that document, those teachings and those principles seep deep into their hearts. Yeah, we all know that that's the best way to learn anything is to teach it, right? <laughs> totally. Well, everyone, thank you for being with us today. It's been, uh, uh, we, Jane and I at least have enjoyed this discussion, and we look forward to seeing you next time.